So let's welcome Pastor Jordan to come and share around the Word this morning. He's a great man of God. We are privileged to have him as one of our leaders. So welcome, Jordan. You're too kind, Greg. Give You're us all you got. We're ready. We're ready. Look, there aren't any new additional tattoos yet, but for my 30th birthday, my brother-in-law, our East Campus pastor, did in fact give me a tattoo voucher. So there will be more coming soon. I promise both my mother and my wife it won't be any neck tattoos. And I also promised Paul Allen that it won't be any leg tattoos. When I told him my idea the other day, he gave me the disappointed grandfather look. So still unpacking that. Thank you so much, band. Before we go any further, can I just give a special shout out to my mother and Charlie? You guys led exceptionally this morning. So thank you. Can we give them a round of applause? At 6.30 this morning, I was calling Pastor Charles, letting him know that my beautiful wife is at home sick in bed. She lost her voice this morning at 6.30. She was meant to be worship leading, and he goes, what are we going to do? I said, well, we've got Charlie and we've got my mum, and they both love Jesus, so it's going to be fine. So you guys did exceptional, like truly, thank you so much. Well, gee, it's great to be here with all of you in person and online as well. It feels like it's been such a long, long time since I've gotten to share a teaching in real life with other people in the room and to be completely live. So who knows what's going to happen this morning. It's going to go one of two ways. It's either going to go really, really well or we're in for a very loose Sunday morning. So either way, look, but my hope is that by the end of this that we truly do walk away from this morning's service more in awe and wonder of our incredible Saviour, Jesus Christ. Because this morning we're going to be continuing on with our Come Let Us Adore Him series. Now, this is a bit of an exciting day for me as I absolutely love Christmas times. And it has been many, many moons since I last got to share with our community around Christmas. In fact, it was so long ago that we weren't even in this building. We were back in the other building in NMIT. And on that particular day, I got given the slot to preach at our community carol service. People had brought their friends, their families, their loved ones, and it was a great morning of carols and reflecting on the joy and wonder of Christmas. And then I wandered up to the front, <laughs> said hello to everyone, and then proceeded to confess my love for the greatest Christmas movie of all time, which is, of course, Die Hard. And for some unknown reason, I have never been asked to preach another Christmas service again. But here we are, everyone. It's time for round two. And much like Die Hard's sequel, Die Hard 2, Die Harder, it could be more of the same, but with more explosions and in a different building. But anyway, I digress. As I mentioned earlier today, we're going to be continuing on looking at the gifts that the wise men presented to Jesus. And last week, Pastor Charles talked to explored the gift of gold, which was a gift fit for a king, and how that we are ambassadors of Jesus and in every situation where to represent him. And if you haven't listened to that message yet, can I highly encourage you to have a listen? It was a phenomenal teaching around this idea. So if you have your Bibles with you this morning, let's turn together again to Matthew chapter 2, verse 9 to 11, and it will be on the screen as well. And let's familiarize ourselves with the gifts. So reading together from verse 9. After listening to the king, they went on their way. And behold, the star they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. Then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Today, we'll be looking at the gift of frankincense, which I was blown away when my mother was talking about and worship lady about how a sacrifice of incense is worship because in these gifts that's what frankincense represented it represented worship now 
I'm not sure how many incense experts we have with us here today, but I couldn't honestly tell you a great deal about frankincense until this week. So I did a quick little bit of research to work out exactly what is frankincense. So as Scott James from crosswalk.com writes, frankincense is an aromatic gum resin that is widely used in parts of the Middle East and Africa today. It is produced by scraping the bark off certain native species of trees and then harvesting the beads of resin after they're dried. When burned as incense, it creates a strong and beautiful aroma. In the ancient Near East, the cost of frankincense precluded it from being used as a common household air freshener. Rather, the burning of frankincense was closely associated with ceremonial worship of a deity. In this way, the inclusion of frankincense as a gift for Jesus may have indicated that the wise men understood that the prophecy of the newborn king carried with it the claim of a deity. If we look at Exodus chapter 30, specifically verse 34, we see that pure frankincense was required as part of a burnt offering. We could also see incense in verses such as Psalm 141 verse 2, where it says, Let my prayer be counted as incense before you, and the lifting up of my hands as the evening sacrifice. The link between incense and worship in both the Old and the New Testament is a tangible one. And when I spent time pondering the story of the three wise men, I kept coming back to a point that I couldn't shake. And it was the wise men were worshipping Jesus because they knew who he was. He was the promised Messiah and the Saviour. And he was worthy of their worship. And it was that thought that led me to the question that I wanted to explore with all of us this morning, which is this. What are we worshipping this Christmas season? How can we stop ourselves getting caught up in the hype, consumerism and spectacle of Christmas and missing out on the true meaning of Christmas? In our context, it is so easy to get swept up by all the events, Christmas movies and gifts at this time of the year, which are not inherently wrong things in themselves, but they can become the focus of our attention. When we go back to Matthew chapter 2, verse 9 to 11, we see how the wise men responded when they saw Jesus. They fell down and worshipped him. The gift of worship is a powerful one that each of us have access to because of Jesus. But before we go any further this morning and dive into this gift together, let's take a moment right now to stop and to pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much that you came to earth. We thank you that you made a way for us to have a relationship with you, Father. Lord, this morning, let any words that are not of you fall away, Father. We pray that this word impacts us where we're at in this Christmas season. We can keep you the centre of our focus and our worship. We love you so much, Heavenly Father. Amen. Worship is one of those tricky terms to try and define like love. Because not only is it almost intangible yet tangible at the same time, but each of us bring our own preconceived notions with us when we hear the term worship. For some of us, it stirs up images and memories of moments of great healing and encounter with God. For others, in, in, it's, for others, it's the two or sometimes three slow songs that we play on a Sunday morning. And then for others, it's moments spent out in creation in awe of God's beauty and wonder. A question to ponder over this next week, and this is a little bit of a side tangent. How would you define worship to someone who asked you personally? What is worship? Truth be told, our theology behind worship, not just worship music, but whole life worship, is such a huge topic that it could fill countless messages. But one important thing to note is that we must always remember who we are worshipping. We serve a glorious creator and saviour who is worthy of our adoration, our love, our affection and our entire lives in humble, sincere, awe-inspired worship. 
We have the great honour and privilege to serve the one true and living God with our entire beings, both heart, mind and soul. The wise men worshipped Jesus because they knew who he was. But once again, attempting to define worship as succinctly as possible for this message, we can define biblical worship as the following, which I borrowed from uh, gotquestions.org, as it sums up worship beautifully. Worship describes both a way of life and a specific activity. Praising, adoring and expressing reverence for God, both publicly and privately, are specific acts of worship. In a broader sense, worship refers to the overall lifestyle of serving and glorifying God and reflecting His glory to others. This leads me to the first point of this morning's message for all my note takers out there and online, which is worship isn't a task, it's an attitude of our hearts. In the Old Testament, we see many examples of God's people offering sacrifices of incense and specifically frankincense to God in worship. As touched on earlier, Exodus chapter 30 describes the altar of incense, a wooden altar overlaid with pure gold upon which Aaron was, was to burn incense as an offering to the Lord in the morning and the evening, as we read in verse 6 to 8. But this offering of incense was never meant to be just a mechanical task or simply something done out of habit. The fact that God promised his people that he would meet and dwell with them in the tabernacle, which is where the altar of incense was placed, was a source of great joy and comfort for all the Israelite people. When we think about worshipping God in our current context, do we think of it as something that humbles us in awe and reverence for our Heavenly Father? Or do we simply view it as something to fit in amongst our busy schedules? When we spend time in prayer throughout the week, do we do it so we can simply tick another thing off our list? Or are we excited that we get to meet with the creator of the universe as we pray? I know these are big and challenging questions, but as we head into Christmas and the end of yet another year, what a great time to wrestle with them. We serve a gracious, loving God who is so, so worthy of our worship. Continuing the Old Testament, specifically moving forward to the book of Isaiah, we find the Israelite people in exile, and in chapter 42 and 43, we find God making a promise to restore his confused people to clarity about himself as their only saviour. With this context in mind, let's briefly look at Isaiah chapter 43, verse 22 to 23 together. Yet you did not call upon me, O Jacob, but you, and you have been weary of me, O Israel. You have not brought me your sheep for burnt offerings or honoured me with your sacrifices. I have not burdened you with offerings or wearied you with frankincense. The ESV study Bible commentary writes about this particular passage of scripture. Israel practiced their worship with, un, with the unspoken intention of evading God, not meeting God. Their attitude and worship implied that God was demanding and boring. God did not mand of them impossible observances, but they burdened him with their spiritual apathy. As I read that, I thought, man, imagine hearing that about your worship. Surely our worship doesn't imply such things. But it does beg the question, what does our worship say about what we think of God? When we come together on a Sunday morning, either online or in person, are we coming along excited to encounter God and to spend time together in communal worship, be it through song, prayer or preaching of the word with our fellow believers? And if so, does it look like we're into it? Now, full disclosure here, this may be hard to believe, but I am not by nature an outwardly energetic kind of person. Hard to believe, I know. And for me, it took a long time to begin to outwardly engage in the various forms of worship that we practice together on a Sunday morning. 
But how could I not begin to respond as the immense truth and freedom that is found in Jesus invaded my heart and soul and began to transform me from the inside out? For others in our community, like my mother or Uncle Max who was playing the drums, they can't help but show the excitement and joy that comes from worshipping God with all that they are. It truly is a beautiful, inspiring thing because they are both worshipping God because of who He is. Worship is a beautiful response to our Heavenly Father. And it takes on many shapes and forms. But it isn't a task. It's an attitude of our hearts. But like all things, and much like the Israelites in exile, we can get distracted, apathetic, and even disillusioned with our worship. And the hard truth is that all of us can become easily distracted by other things and put them in place of our Saviour. It could be our jobs. It could be the next car upgrade we find ourselves constantly looking at in carsales.com. Not sponsored. It could be that guy or girl in our life. And around Christmas time, it could be the pull of consumerism, the idea of a perfect Christmas with friends and family, and not to mention the constant feed of comparison and never-ending Christmas movies on TV. And fundamentally, these aren't bad things, but nothing is more incredible than our Saviour, Jesus Christ. Only He can save us. Only He was the embodiment of God's love for us. Only He can show us how to live, and He alone is worthy of our praise. Not just at this time of the year, but in every moment of our life. Once again, looking at the wise men and going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshipped Him. Perhaps this Christmas season is a time we have a bit of a heart check, especially after the two years we've just had, and ask ourselves the question, what are we worshipping? Has worship simply become a task and not an attitude of our hearts? And be encouraged because you are loved and cared for and we aren't called to be perfect, which I am so, so thankful for. It's because of the incredible gift of Jesus that we can humbly and reverently approach Him and reorientate our hearts back to Him. Why not spend a night this Christmas season instead of watching a Christmas movie reading the story of Jesus' birth? Perhaps pray before Christmas dinner or lunch and thank God for His incredible love, mercy and provision. These things may not seem like big things, but when we know who we are worshipping, everything begins to change. Amen? Well, I bet a few of you are wondering, how the heck did we get from a diehard joke to here? And if that is you, I'm wondering that as well. And I just wanted to take a moment to just express and acknowledge that I am in no way, shape or form a master in these areas. And I am constantly on a journey to live a life of worship and submission and I do not get it right. There are absolutely days when the last thing I feel like doing is worshipping. But I'm sure I'm the only one that feels like that, especially when we've taken the last two years. But what do we do when we don't feel like worshipping? Especially when things are complex, unclear and hard. In those moments when it feels like the world is falling apart around us, is our first response to hold on to the hope of Jesus and to lean into Him? Or is it to take the focus off Him and put it on ourselves? In Jesus, each of us can find hope, redemption and forgiveness. And no matter how dark the night gets, He is with us and we're His sons and daughters. We serve a God who understand and live the emotions in the person of Jesus Christ that we go through. The second point that I wanted to look at this morning as we explore the gift of worship together could potentially be controversial, but hear my heart as we explore it. The second point is this, worship requires obedience. 
another way to put it is this. Worship and obedience are actually two sides of the same coin. I am aware that the word obedience is an extremely loaded term. And much like the word worship, it carries many, many preconceived thoughts and ideas, especially in our current cultural context. But to look at this point, we're going to fast forward from when Jesus was a child to when he was a man in the book of Hebrews. The major theme of Hebrews is that Christ is greater than any angel, priest or old covenant institution. It is a book that encourages us as believers in the church to persevere and to hold on to by faith the hope that is Jesus. With this in our minds, let's read Hebrews chapter 5, verse 7 to 10 together, reading from verse 7. In the days of his flesh, Jesus offered up prayers and supplications with loud cries and tears to him who was able to save him from death, and he was heard because of his reverence. Although he was a son, he learned obedience through what he suffered, and being made perfect, he became the source of eternal salvation to all who obey him, being designated by God a high priest after the order of Melchizedek. There is so much that we can see in that tiny, short passage of Scripture. But I wanted to draw our attention to a few notes in particular. In verse 7, the term supplication, which in the Greek is hekira, sorry if I butchered that, is a rare word in the New Testament, and it indicates a submissive request, especially in the context of prayer. But once again, the thing that really jumped out at me when reading this Scripture was verse 7. In the days of his flesh, Jesus offered up prayers and supplications with loud cries and tears to him who was able to save him from death. And he was heard because of his reverence. With loud cries and tears immediately recalls the Garden of Gethsemane. But some commentaries suggest that this actually indicates that Jesus' prayers were constantly heartfelt, earnest and accompanied by tears. If we go back to our earlier definition of worship being both a way of life and a specific activity, praising, adoring and expressing reverence for God both publicly and privately, what an example we see here in Jesus' life. What an example for us to follow. And as we see, but as we see in the next verse down in verse out, on the other side, there was obedience. Although he was a son, he learned obedience through what he suffered. The life of Jesus was an act of worship. It was a life of submission and obedience, which included suffering that would ultimately end up with his life being taken so you and I could have an eternal relationship with the Father. And once again, this is a hard truth, but worship does not exclude us from hard times. But it is through our worship and our obedience to God that we will be able to endure regardless of our changing circumstances. And once again, as we head to the end of the year, if 2021 has taught us anything, it's that circumstances can change quickly. Christmas for many can often be a stressful time, let alone when you throw in everything that's happening around us, not just in Melbourne, but Australia and the rest of the globe. And I might invite Jared back up in keys if I could, wherever it is. And for many, this may feel like an extremely hard time to worship at this moment. We may feel an uneasiness we can't quite put our finger on. There may be financial, family or any other number of pressures going on in our worlds. And as often in these hard moments in my own life, that my attitude and response tells me where my heart is. It tells me if I have an attitude of worship and it often shows me what I really am worshipping. Worship does not exclude us from suffering. But when we obey and hold firm to Jesus in reverent, heartfelt worship, 
that is where we find the hope that can only, we can only get from Jesus. This Christmas, you don't have to do life alone or in your own strength. You were given the gift of worship. This Christmas, we can choose to be people full of joy and hope and to show that to our hurting friends, family, neighbourhoods and city. We can choose to have an attitude of worship and being obedient to our Heavenly Father, to hold firm to the life of Jesus and to follow His incredible and transformational example. But as we bring this journey to an end together this morning, I wanted to return to where we started in Matthew chapter 2, verse 9 to 11. After listening to the king, they went on their way and behold, the star they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. Then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. What are we worshipping this Christmas? Is it our circumstances? Is it our own hopes and desires? Or is it a God that loved us so much that He sent His one and only Son to earth as a baby born under the shadow of an empire that would take His life so that He might make a way for you and I? Will we be like the wise men in this passage, choosing to worship this Christmas and to use the incredible gift of worship to bring glory and honour to our Saviour, the Messiah, Jesus Christ? And this isn't just a gift that we should keep to ourselves. This is a gift to share with those around us this Christmas season. Why not think about how our worship could impact those that we know? Perhaps our worship of our Saviour is what will introduce them to the hope and salvation that is only found through Jesus. Amen. I might get you to all stand with me this morning before we pray with one another. Whilst I was preparing this message this week, I couldn't shake this sense that I was to pray for our community this morning. I couldn't shake this sense that there's probably many of us in the room that are perhaps feeling lost when it comes to worshipping Jesus. Perhaps these last few years have taken an emotional and spiritual toll that has caused us to take our eyes off our Creator and we just feel dry and hollow. So for privacy, I'm just going to ask everyone to close their eyes this morning because this is a moment for you and your Creator. And for all those that are joining us online this morning, if that's you, no matter when or where you're watching this, why not do the same? So if you feel dry and hollow this morning, if you feel that you need a new sense of refreshing, especially as we head into a new year, just give me a wave and I'd love to pray with you this morning. Awesome. Thank you. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much that we can come to your feet, Lord. We thank you, Lord, that we can give our lives to you in humble, reverent submission, Father. We thank you so much that you loved us so, so much that you sent your Son down to earth to live a life that we could follow, Father, and to make a way for us. And for all of us that are feeling dry this morning, I ask Holy Spirit, come to this place right now, Father. Refresh us. Let it be a spirit-filled people that leave this room this morning, Father, not just to keep this gift to themselves, but to go out into the highways and the byways, Father, to worship you in spirit and truth, not just on a Sunday, but on a Monday, on a Tuesday, on a Wednesday, on a Thursday, on a Friday, and a Saturday, Father. This morning, no matter what has happened, Father, we stop and we say, Lord, have your way in our lives. We reset 
we refocus and we turn our hearts and our minds to you. And thank you, Father, that you love each and every single one of us in this room. Father, you call us sons and daughters. We love you so much, Father. Amen. Now, every eye still closed. I'm aware that we've been talking about our incredible Saviour, Jesus, and the incredible life-changing transformation that comes out of a relationship with Him. And I never want to miss an opportunity for those that may not have a relationship with Him to respond and to be able to find the hope and begin the greatest adventure of their life. How do I know that there's hope in a relationship with Jesus? Because simply put, without His love, His forgiveness, mercy and undeserved grace, I would not be standing here speaking to you today. By choosing to ask for forgiveness and to follow Jesus, we're not only saved from an eternity spent apart from Him, but we can enter into a real and life-giving relationship with Him. So either if you're in this room this morning or you're watching online and you want to know the hope that is found in Jesus, I'd love to personally have a conversation with you. So I'll be at the front after this service of you. But if you're online, please email me at jordan at unihillchurch.com.au because I would love to personally take you out for a coffee and introduce you to Jesus. But let's all pray together this morning, church. Father, we thank you that your spirit is moving, Lord. We thank you that in you there is hope. There is a promise of eternity, Father, and there is a life set apart and transformed. Lord, I thank you that each of us are called out and set apart, Father. And I pray that as we head into this Christmas season, we reflect on that question, what are we worshipping? Let us worship you this Christmas season, Father. Let us choose to put you back at the centre, Father. And I thank you for this incredible gift of worship that we can have access to. Lord, we love you so much. Continue to guide us. Continue to give us wisdom in this season, Father. Continue to build each of us up in your image. We love you so, so much, Father. In your precious and holy name, amen.